0: it's morning it's a show sometimes it's about woodworking it's the woodworking morning show morning everyone good morning oh hold on it says system audio okay everything's right oh. everything's fine everything's nobody, fine nobody get excited Don't everything's fine ex-
1: ignore that part
0: good morning everyone it's the morning show and uh i'm mark and i'm nicole you getting nine tips uh, for nine final cut pro
1: magical tips.
0: are you gonna start editing now no oh.
1: i'm under your account so that's you get the
0: tips. That's so disappointing <laughs> well good morning everybody uh we are going to talk a little bit about woodworking today I got some stuff, some questions uh, preloaded from our friends who helped us out over at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Wood Whisperer. And, and uh, we'd like to thank a few of those people who signed up in the, the last week, I suppose. Or maybe two weeks. <laughs> we don't know. We, well, we missed the show last week.
1: I didn't even know it was September. Yeah. So, uh,
0: Nate there's e, a reminder. Nate E., Michael Lusk, Tom Trimble, Tyler oh. Levins, uh, Shamim Ahmed, and Paul Riley. Thank you. What a great bunch of people there. And
1: I'd like to thank our YouTube members too. Ooh, we got some new ones. Nice. But it's really hard for us to know who's new.
0: So um I wish they would do something. I will for pepper us on that. your
1: names throughout the show.
0: We're gonna pooper it.
1: Pepper it. What is going on? My my laptop just decided to update.
0: Do an update on its own. Right
1: before the show and it was like thirty six minutes. And I was like, yeah. What? Well, good
0: news. I've got stuff to talk about, Nicole. Hey,
1: you should talk.
0: Okay. So, uh, you know, it's been two weeks now since we've had John. John the... We're going to call him John the Employee.
1: John the Employee.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very generic. Uh, But yeah, John has been helping out for two weeks now. We just finished up our second week and, and he broke my... He broke my $250 blade. He didn't break it. Nicole, he broke it.
1: There's video evidence that shows (laughs) he did not break it.
0: Okay. Well, look, let's clarify. It broke while he was using it. Yes. So $250 blade. Uh, It's it's a Lennox blade, carbide tipped. And these things are not cheap. And a lot of people are like, are you kidding me? A $250 blade? Why would you do that? Well, when you make bandsaw cuts and you're resawing veneers and you're trying to get clean cuts as clean as possible with minimal waste, uh, things like the Lennox Trimaster, uh, even the Resaw King from Laguna. These are great blades. And if you compare the quality from a carbide tip blade to one that is just, you know, whatever the normal ones are, just regular uh, steel. I don't know anything about metal, Nicole.
1: I don't either. We should, we, you know who you should talk to? <laughs> uh, uh, Craftsman Legacy.
0: Yeah, but why would is I he, talk to he, is him? He, he's a
1: metal guy, There are people
0: right? who sell bandsaw blades, repair bandsaw blades. <laughs> why would I? Why would I go down this path unless I truly wanted to do that? Yeah. But anyway, this Eventually thing snapped. And here's the thing. Like, oops, I just moved it. It snapped right at the weld. So I was able to call the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I got this from bandsawbladesdirect.com and told them, hey, look at this. It looks like it snapped on the weld. Like, I also have further evidence in case you need to see it. We had video evidence that it snapped when it wasn't even cutting. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Nicole had a, uh, hold on. Oh. You guys, you guys missed it. There was a great visual on that oh one. My God, <laughs> so, um what the heck was I saying?
1: Sorry, you were talking about
0: the weld. So, uh, video evidence. He actually made a a quick, simple cut and then pulled the workpiece back. He was about four inches away from the workpiece when the blade just snapped. So it just was, it could have been a bad weld. It, you know, maybe tension could have been off or something like that, but we do check uh, check the tension periodically. I do keep my saws detensioned in between use because I've got that little lever arm there. It's super easy to do. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was a um, potentially very expensive uh, uh, problem, but thankfully they are going to either repair it or replace it. Yay! <clears throat> so, but a great first... Uh, bandsaw break experience for for John in our shop. It's got to, it's got to scare you. The sound scares you. uh, But I I do think when when people talk about it, they're like, oh my, it's one of the scariest things. The sound is a little bit scary and it's unexpected, but I would actually rather be the victim of a bandsaw blade snapping than something going wrong at the table saw. Uh, Typically those blades are so housed that this thing coming up and like turning into an octopus and yeah. with, with a big sharp blade coming at you, it's really unlikely that that's ever going to happen. Have so it. I would much rather have the bandsaw experience. John, than John didn't table know saw he hat.
1: should bring a pair of underwear to work. Extra
0: underwear. Yeah. He was calm <laughs> I, about I, it. I'll
1: create, you, create a little cubby for you. He okay. was calm
0: about it. He Extra texted change. me. He goes, uh, bandsaw blade broke. i like, <laughs> are you okay? Yes. <laughs> he said, yes. said, I'll be right there. We'll get the backup. I'm not blade. in
1: the chat room. I don't know what's up with my computer. It's, just not
0: happening. Yeah, you need a new one. It's T- not time happening. for a new one, Nicole. Yeah. Alright, and before we get to your questions, I just want to let you guys know, we have a video that's no! going to be coming out today. As soon, what? Pretty much as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to go to YouTube and do the premiere feature so if you want to chat with me and watch this episode with me, uh, this video will be out. And uh, that is my attempt at being one of those annoying YouTube thumbnail people, hey, Nicole.
1: you don't have to attempt.
0: <clears throat> I'm already one of you them. You are. <laughs> this, uh, While there are lots of cool things that happen in this episode, you get to see me mess up a prized drawer front made out of uh, a figured material that I did not want to lose. (laughs) And uh, you don't see me actually break the headphones, but it does happen and you see the end result and I discuss how anger issues and woodworking and electronics mm-hmm. don't mix.
1: And we took the opportunity, one of our Patreon supporters, you sent that script, that mess up piece to
0: him. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just really disappointing. You guys know how it is. You got a, a piece of material that, I don't know, it's just got beautiful figure or something that you're really saving for a special occasion. And then you go to use it and then something happens and it's destroyed and can't be used anymore. Uh, and if it's my fault, Fine. But when it's a, a, a something that that malfunctions and it's not actually directly my fault, that's when I got frustrated. I don't I don't lose my temper very easily, but you'll see in the video why why I got so upset. And just in case you're interested, I got a spatchcock chicken video coming mm, out today. You're
1: just on you're on was that all cylinders running on all sil- I'm cylinders? I'm farting
0: on all you're... cylinders, Nicole. <laughs> um, so I think that's the show title. Farting on all cylinders. <laughs> I got things going cooking on. With gas. I'm cooking with Crisco over here. Uh, we got lots going on. I'm telling you, I really thought about it. This all goes back to my son guilting me Giving
1: you crap. in the car.
0: I <laughs> mean, We played the clip here on the show. Him saying something about losing subs. It's weird. Like as, as a parent or a father, I can speak from a father's experience specifically. Uh, when your child admires something you do, it's a feather in your cap. Like most of the time, most kids are just like, I don't care what my parents do. Lame. Like our kids love YouTube, right? Like most kids these days, they love YouTube. And in spite of the fact that we have what could be called a successful YouTube channel, just in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing like what he usually watches, but um, you know, we run a business off of it. Uh, In spite of that, he still looks at it and he's like, yeah, that's not cool. But then once in a while, He'll he'll like let the he'll he'll like let the um, the true feelings come out and let us know that he thinks it's really cool that we have a YouTube channel with a decent number of subscribers. So when he said that to me, I'm like I feel like I'm disappointing my son. Mm. Look, it didn't take 15 years of dis- disappointing people online. It took one day of disappointing my son to make me go. Yeah, maybe I'll do more videos. <laughs> So, I don't know. We'll see We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm having fun producing lots of content now and hopefully you guys are enjoying it.
1: It's good times.
0: You're having uh, good times over there trying I, to get just, that chat room up, aren't well, you?
1: Well, no. I just... Uh, still reminded me about the calendar. I just got too many balls in the air. All my balls are falling. Nicole,
0: I've always admired your quantity of balls. <laughs> not just quantity. I'm doing it
1: right now. I'm like, I'm just not gonna...
0: Not just quantity, but the size and the variety yeah. of your balls. yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into some questions Just <coughs> jump. while Go you uh, roll a couple balls over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this question here is from, um, from Patreon. Hey. Um, Jeff Al- Albrixon. He says, I think Mark mentioned recently that he uses a sharpening jig from Woodpeckers that was retired. Is it the same one that's currently available as a one-time tool? Yes, it is. And uh, what do you not like or what do you like and not like about the jig? Okay, so I should have brought it over here. I wasn't thinking. It's, uh, it's pretty versatile. I find that being able to move the wheels in and out allows you to go on a wide stone, narrow stones, just depending on whether you're doing a narrow piece of steel or something wide like a uh, plane blade. Um, so it's pretty versatile, but I think my favorite thing about it is how accurate it is. Now, you guys know that if you have a sharpening jig, and it always sharpens at a slight angle that's off of 90. That's really not going to hurt things. As long as it's slight and as long as you have the ability to kind of adjust so that the, the cutting edge is you know, parallel to the plane that you're, you're cutting, it's going to be fine. But it still drives me nuts, right? And I know some of you are like that too. You just want it to be, you're using a jig. It should be 90 degrees, right? There's no excuse for it not to be. There's probably a lot of excuses, but I'm, I'm pretending there are none. Uh, well, the Woodpecker uh, jig is one of the few that I found that actually repeatedly, consistently is always giving me that 90 degree edge that I really, really like. Um, and o- overall, it's just a good little setup. You got a little setup jig there as well to set the distance. Uh, I like it. What I don't like about it is limited availability and pricing, right? Um, it's, it's bad enough that we're using these jigs when you could just put the time in to go freehand, Right. We all kind of know that that's, that's sort of the guilty thing in the back of your head going, yeah, I could probably just hand sharpen this, but the time it takes me, the time investment to get really good and get that muscle memory sometimes just isn't worth it. So throw it in a jig and, and get this thing sharpened so you can get back to work. Um, so that's, that, that sort of is always in the back of my mind. But when it's a really expensive sharpening solution, uh, that's when I start to go, well, I kind of feel guilty using it. So the Woodpecker's version, not that it's like astronomically expensive, but it's on the higher end of, of you know, especially when you compare it to those little gray ones that you could buy on Amazon for like 10 bucks um, that essentially on the surface kind of do the same thing. They just don't do it as well or as consistently and as much of a, a variety of uh, holding solutions for that thing. So uh, that's really the the long and the short of it.
1: But Long and the short. if you're enough.
0: looking for a really good, you know, budget is no object and you're looking for a really good honing guide, it's it's a great one. I really, really like it.
1: Uh, I'm not. You ad- okay over I'm, here? Uh, no. You want to
0: join the show today, Nicole? I,
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing admin work.
0: <clears throat> you're like a potted plan over here. I
1: know. I'm just trying to figure this out. <laughs> I hate it. I, I, I don't. Okay. I'll complain about our website when we're not on, when we're
0: not live. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that in front of people. Our website's perfect, Nicole. (laughs) Kevin Windsor says, I have a Powermatic hollow chisel mortiser. I'd like to learn how to cut a through mortise without blowing out the far side. I hate when I blow out the far side. I always use a backer board but still get chip out. I suspect I may have to lay out, yeah, lay out both sides of the work and cut part way through from both sides. What's your approach to a through mortise? My approach is to not use a hollow chisel mortiser. Um, I find that to be a problematic tool. I mean, I know people do it and it certainly can be done, but you have a couple things working against you. Blowout, you know, if you don't have a, a perfect backer piece of material, you could get blowout. You might still get blowout even if you do. Uh, the sharpness of your chisel and the, the, you know, the boring bit that's inside there is paramount. They have to be absolutely as sharp as they could possibly be. You need clean exit uh, sides <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's a challenging thing to have in a hollow chisel mortiser. It's a lot to ask of it. Uh, if you decide to flip it and you lay out on both sides and flip it, yeah, that's one way to do it. That might probably, maybe that's the best way to do it to get good clean results. But the thing is also remember, most of the time with a through mortise and tenon, you only need one clean side, right? So make sure that your clean side is the one that's facing up. You plunge through, and if there's any tear out, it's on the side where your tenon shoulders are going to be. Um but ultimately I still think you know when have you ever seen with a hollow chisel mortiser two things can happen um even if everything is sharp you could have that boring bit that might kind of leave a little bit of a half moon shape uh, so you're not actually getting a nice crisp square You're getting a square with these little half moons on it. Um, That can be a problem that ruins the uh, crispness of your mortise. Uh, And then you could also be like a half degree out of perpendicular, out of square. And then you wind up not actually making straight lines. You're making these steps, right? Because you're just slightly off to the side. So those problems all put together have me using other tools for this job. And a router I find to be the best tool uh, if you're going to be making a through mortise and tenon joint.
1: I got a band some people. Get out of here. Uh, get out of there. Get out of here. Get out of here. here. Yes,
0: son of a guns.
1: Asking to subscribe. What?
0: Whether well, they're they're advertising <sighs> their subscription stuff? Yeah.
1: Come some come subscribe. hmm Uh let's see.
0: they got like a bot just monitoring for live feeds and stuff? That's yeah, interesting. I don't know. Okay. I'll take a question at any time if you have one. I know you're uh you're fussing no. over here.
1: I'm adding John. Uh, or Ulrich as a moderator. Oh, cool. John, help me out.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the club, John. To the other club. To the other club. Okay, Cole Mason says, no question, just a tongue twister for you. I'm going to try this. I don't know that I'm going to succeed. A marked mark uses a maple marquetry maker's mark to market the mark made marimbas in Memphis. (laughs) I think I almost pulled it off.
1: Yeah, I think you did.
0: Well, thanks for that, Cole. That's a... Johnson Crafted
1: Woodshop wants to know where he got that shirt. I made it. He made it. I, correction. I made it.
0: Yes, but it was my brainchild.
1: Yes, but I made it happen.
0: Yeah. When I went to uh, work <laughs> You can have con, lots of
1: ideas, but if no action happens, they don't exist.
0: Well, thank you, Mateo. <laughs> I'm going to ponder my life and make some serious <laughs> changes once I leave here. Uh, so when I went to WorkbenchCon last year I kind of went this there this
1: year it was February it was February
0: yeah it was technically last this year. year feels like it was two years ago now oh, no. so yeah I went to Workbench Con, and I, I wanted to have as much ironic like clothing as possible I, I wanted to uh, express my love and disdain for the community at the same time <laughs> is that okay to do? So um, Uh, I had three shirts made up and I've worn them on on the Friday um, show a couple of different times. Um, But this was one of them that I sold out before it was cool. uh,
1: Mike, McMahone? McMahone. That's how he pronounces it. How do you determine what tension the bandsaw blade should be set at? I'm never confident I have it right.
0: Yeah, general rule of thumb. I usually just go by feel and as you push on it without a lot of pressure, you just don't want a lot of deflection. Finding the exact tension, well, you might want to, you know, if you really want to dig down into it, there are devices that you can use to check the tension uh, and then you can just check with the manufacturer and say, what is your optimal tension for your blade? Uh, Some manufacturers will just publish that information and you could try to to nail it. Um, But for me, what I was taught by David Marks is to kind of use that finger test and you you really don't want more than like a quarter inch of deflection. You got to make sure that your guide's out of the way because you want to just kind of see the blade on its own without contacting any of the bearings. And if you have more than a quarter inch deflection, it might be a little too loose. If it doesn't deflect enough, then you you wind up having too much tension. Um, And also keep in mind, not all blades are the same. I think specifically Timberwolf is a brand of blades where they, their whole thing is that it's a low tension blade, right? That's what they, um, you know, and they, they've got this wobble technique that they use, if I'm not mistaken, where You're running it, and as you increase the tension, what you're looking for is this sort of wobble that's happening at the tip of the blade, and then when it stops, you're like at the sweet spot. It's been a long time since I've calibrated a saw with a Timberwolf blade, so um, chat room, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was one of the methods that they used. Uh,
1: The chat rooms make me laugh because they're all saying you fell off the milk wagon.
0: (laughs) I don't understand.
1: (laughs) The milk wagon, you cleared your throat.
0: Oh, <laughs> got it! I thought there was some other reference no,
1: you, to that. You started drinking milk again.
0: Yeah, well, we decided I would drink milk early in the week mm-hmm. and stop drinking milk late in the week. That's what I did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Listen, milk is not the only thing going on here. There's other you, things going you on. you
1: sure you didn't have bowl of cereal last night?
0: Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, oh, I absolutely did not. Okay. <laughs> I came down from uh, Mateo's room and sat there and just watched Star Trek. You
1: know what? I came down from Mateo's room and I went to bed. Like nine o'clock. Not a girl. Why? I hate that I'm a morning person. Now it's very upsetting. It's the way to be. I don't want to be a morning person. Welcome,
0: welcome to the morning person club, Nicole.
1: Uh, Appo Apina says, uh, "Do YouTube members get access to the older after shows?" I don't know how I would do that, except for to post them in the community. If you want that, I can do that. But that's a lot of after shows.
0: Can't you mark them for visibility to members? They're on. Are they're stored on YouTube, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But they're probably going to be on the oh, Offcuts channel. Yeah. So I'll no. I'll figure.
1: It. I'll figure something out. I
0: don't think because if, now the. But Offcuts, I can put the
1: link in the community tab, and they can watch it from the community tab.
0: Yeah, the Offcuts channel oh. is now the barbecue channel. So yeah. a lot of that archived stuff is under a different umbrella now.
1: I'll will look into it and. Uh, it's a good idea. Yeah, it's a great idea.
0: If we could technically. Because I think it I have like
1: twenty after shows that I could post. I don't want to annoy you guys, but yeah. I also want to make sure. So yeah, I'll look at that. Hey, welcome Gary Powell to YouTube members. Oh, cool! You get a cool little. That's awesome. <laughs> little toolbox. To get
0: highlighted. <laughs> okay, Evan Malden has kind of an. It's kind of an off-topic question. I really admire, and actually, this is appropriate for this question. Oh yeah, yeah. I really admire your slow and steady business model, and want to know if there has been opportunities in the past on the surface that would have appeared to be great, but were ultimately turned down because it didn't fit the model. Any suggestions on striking a balance between seizing opportunity and playing the long-term game? Well, before we get into some examples, mm-hmm. to to sort of answer his question, that's a, that's a difficult thing to give advice on. Sure. Because a lot of it comes down to your gut as a business owner. Um, at the core, you have to know what your mission statement is. Like, what is your reason to be?
1: I remember us doing that... When we lived in Arizona on 5311 mm-hmm. and talking about our mission statement yeah, um, and, and it, trying to, because you would get upset by something. I'm like, no, does it me meet our mission? Me get upset by something? <laughs> that
0: doesn't sound right, Nicole. But,
1: and I would remind you, does it meet our mission? Like, yeah. Are if, we doing If, if our, our
0: core, you know, reason for being here is this, does this thing help that? Or does it in some way, even roundabout, End up assisting in making that thing better or more successful, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't, then then you decide not to do it. Um, there's also an aspect to this that's just your gut uh, and and your personal feelings. Mm-hmm. There are lots of things that I could do and could have done, but because of the way I want to run my business, the kind of spare time I want to have, what limited spare time I do have, um, and that changes mm-hmm. over time, right? Like when the kids were first born and when they're really young, it's it's nice to be able to pivot and say, you know what. My mission statement right now is to tread water survive. in the business <laughs> and survive so I can take care of my children. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But then as the kids get a little bit older and you get a little bit more free time, then you can kind of open up the playbook a little bit. So this, yeah. when, you, when you do what we do in making content online, there is that flexibility. And um, we've had
1: failed ideas too. Uh, sure. So like one of, the, one of our failed ideas, we were going we to hire somebody to make a guild app. Remember that? That's right. A
0: dedicated a guild. A dedicated
1: app. guild app, and we lost five thousand dollars on the deal, and it didn't happen because well, it took, they couldn't. It was just a. It, it a mess. took five
0: thousand dollars of initial work for us to determine that this wasn't going to work. No.
1: Yeah.
0: And then in the end, it, it we had to decide again do we throw more money at this or do we cut and run and say like, this isn't serving the primary mission so it's not worth putting more money into it. So I can give you a couple of examples of things over the years that we've done that were kind of not on the surface. You know, maybe someone else might have made a different decision but for us, uh, we made what we thought was the right decision. So one is, and this is still the case, continuing the focus on fine furniture uh, as opposed to going for topics that we know could be more successful Mm -hmm. online. Uh, we have videos in our library where we've done something a little bit more DIY or maybe like the, the painting the oak cabinets is a good example, sure. right? Um, that video just took off for us and, you know, we don't have, we're not the kind of channel that just gets millions and millions of views. So when something in a short period of time gets like 600, 700,000 views, that's definitely hitting a, a tier that we don't normally get to. Well, that if I'm just looking purely as a business, I go, well, let's do more of that. Right, if people want to see me paint oak cabinets, so that either they can say, "Yay, that looks good," or "How dare you," <laughs> whatever. How
1: dare you? Which is most of
0: the comments. <laughs> uh, clearly, that is the kind of content that would make us more successful in that YouTube space, right? But that's not our goal. Our goal is not to be successful on YouTube. Our goal is to be successful with our business. YouTube is just a part of that. So we will always try to make decisions that keep us true to ourselves. And true to ourselves means making furniture and trying to teach people furniture making techniques. Uh, You know, the the occasional DIY style project is great. It's fine. uh, But it's definitely not our core reason for being here. So we leave it to the side. Even though on the surface, it could make us more successful, certainly in Mateo's mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> it could make us more <laughs> successful. <clears throat> but I think it could be detrimental in the long run to a person who's trying to sell himself as a uh, woodworking instructor who wants to teach people at least the, the beginnings of their fine woodworking journey. Uh, we've also had offers to be bought out. Yeah, many. We've had many offers for people, companies usually, acquisition companies to buy the Wood Whisper, to buy our forum. Uh, we had, this goes back probably, what, 2008? Yeah. So very early Wood Whisperer days, but it was clear that we were becoming a thing. We were showing up in fine woodworking surveys as like, who else do you watch or where else do you go for woodworking content? And that's where we knew we were kind of being taken a little bit more seriously. Um, fine woodworking they'll probably never admit this, right?
1: (laughs) Fine woodworking. Well, the people that that were there then probably are. They're not there
0: anymore. Yeah. Yeah, They actually made us an offer to purchase the wood whisperer, to roll it into fine woodworking. And then I would simply be like an editor or someone on staff at fine woodworking. Mm -hmm. And I mulled that over for a while and very quickly said, nope, (laughs) that sounds like a terrible idea. So it was
1: 2008, it was before the guild.
0: I think it was pretty.
1: 2009 was the guild. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so, uh, you know,
0: again, it's just in our, it wasn't in our best interest. And I, I really felt like what they were doing was, you know, what some, sometimes companies do. You buy your competition or what you, what you think is your competition, mm-hmm. you buy it so that they are no longer your competition. And now they're working for you and not against you. Um, but I think both of us are probably happy that that is not how this went down. I just figured I'd be fired in the first six months, right? <laughs> like I'd get the payout and then they would just, as soon as it You're was like, legally possible. Me, me. They would, they would just, fire me. So and then
1: you would you would have made like uh, another channel
0: barbecue channel. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Oh, man. Was there anything else? I mean, no, that's we,
0: all I can remember.
1: I mean, we've had also companies try to do like TV shows with us, and they don't know what to do with us. They they, they want to do a TV show,
0: but it's like. They see something there.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Excuse but me. They but they come to formulating. us for the,
1: they go, we want to do a TV show. What's your idea? Like, wait, you came to us. Yeah,
0: I thought you had the idea. <laughs> my, I, I'm doing my idea. Yeah. It's it's called the Wood Whisperer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. Okay, Lucas Renardi says, what would you recommend for a wiping finish for hardwood floors in a closet? Purely aesthetic. No need to be super durable. Well, I don't know if you want to spend the money. I mean, if this is something that you're not really going to see very often and just has to kind of protect the floor but it doesn't get a lot of abuse. um, Just go with like a Minwax Wipe-on Poly. If it's a small area, that's easy enough to apply. Um, I would say Rubio. Rubio is great, but I wouldn't want you to go and buy a really good quality, expensive finish like Rubio just to hide it in a closet. So Rubio hard wax oil finishes, those are perfectly fine if the budget is there and you feel like doing it. Um, But you certainly can just do a Wipe-on Poly on that floor, satin or something like that. So it's not too shiny and then close the door and never see it again.
1: Just wanted to say, welcome to Jade Murray to the YouTube memberships. Welcome. I got a super chat here from uh, Scott. How do you say his last name? Reikinger. Reikinger. Jointers, dollar sign. I understand why they're different from planers, but I don't understand why they are so much more expensive for a similar width.
0: Versus planers?
1: Jointers and planers. Um, I'm guessing he's talking about a planer.
0: The only thing I can... Uh, guess is that you maybe have a lot more cast iron in a jointer. When you look at the length of those beds, uh, probably making that is not that fun. So you've got a big long fence, big long beds, wide beds. Um, When you compare that to the cast iron table on most planers, I just think the square inches of cast iron is definitely going to be less on a planer. So maybe that's why I'm only speculating. I I don't know for sure. (laughs)
1: Uh, Tim J.B. goes, isn't October going to be the anniversary of the first Friday live Is it? I don't
0: know. I have no idea. I'd have to look. (laughs) I don't pay attention to that stuff. I'm lucky I know when our anniversary is. (laughs) Our anniversary is is
1: in October. October nineteenth.
0: It's in my calendar, so that's the
1: only way. I'm
0: never gonna forget. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. Question from Patrick. Patrick. Quick question: How do I do a panel glue up for the back of a bookcase instead of plywood? If so, uh, any issues that you should look out for? Well, wood movement, Patrick. That's your big uh, your big problem there. That's why we use plywood a lot of the time because it's, well, number one, it's in the back. It's not seen very well. Plywood is less expensive and it's faster, right? You just cut it to size and you're done. Uh, It also doesn't move so you can trap it within a bookcase and it's not going to cause any problems. If you go with solid wood, well, now you got to think about it. You either have to have a solid wood panel that is in a groove, which has some room to allow the panel to expand and contract side to side, Or if you really want to go all out, a classic solution for solid wood back panels is something called shiplap, all right? And that's a design where essentially you're still allowing for movement. You've got overlapping uh, rabbit joints on the sides. And what they basically do is allow the panels to continue to move. But because of those rabbit joints slipping by one another, you never have a gap. You never actually see daylight through there. Um, So a shiplap back is something you could Google and see the different methods for doing that, but you don't really watch have that
1: show fixer upper because that woman uses ship lap on everything.
0: Yeah. So uh, in that case though, you you're, you just do the research, see how it's done. There's only a couple solutions for solid wood as a back panel and they all work, uh, but ignore the wood movement rules at your detriment. That's, that's the thing you got to watch out for.
1: <laughs> Fred was though, if we did a TV show, what are the odds it would become a sitcom? <laughs>
0: I would hope it would start that way. <laughs> yeah. Not have to spin off to one, oh but just my God. right away from the beginning. <laughs> canned laughter. We yeah. could use some canned laughter in our lives. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm your canned laughter.
0: <laughs> You're the Robin Quivers to my I, Howard Stern. I am, I am.
1: <laughs> uh, Danny wants to know, Mark, have you been storing your lumber vertically? Yep. Uh, have you had any issues with the storage configurations? Nope. Nope.
0: It's great. I like the vertical storage. I, I switched to it in my last sort of shop Overhaul and mm-hmm. it's fantastic. The only problem is where mine is located. This is this is a issue with my house. Because
1: you have some that are like this, and then some that are like that.
0: Yeah, but the small ones is just for offcuts for the yeah. horizontal. Yeah. But my problem is that it's right near the stairs that go uh, into the house. Yeah. So oftentimes I have material there that's kind of staged, or maybe it's a little bit overflow, but it's right near the stairs. So it's kind of inconvenient. I get a little bit concerned about you know safety. So I got to always use those chains. Uh, but the, the vertical storage I have in the shed is also working out great. So I'm a uh, Viva La Vertical Storage.
1: Viva Vertical Storage. Big Willie's Garage did a super chat and says, Holy can Willie. can you spray a stain poly mix? Uh, the can recommended brush, but my test piece. Uh, and I don't Tested like it. Tested a piece and he doesn't oh, okay. like it. Yeah, sorry.
0: You can. You can spray oil-based stuff. Just be prepared for the vertical surfaces to be, problematic if you can get everything flat you're better off you got to think about it the stuff wants to run so when you put a thick layer of it if it's vertical you could get drips sags things like that it's a little difficult to control if it's horizontal you should be able to lay a nice layer down and you have time to allow it to cure and dry and set up before you move those panels around it is not my favorite way to apply oil-based materials for that reason Uh, a lot of times when I'm spraying you know half of the surfaces are vertical especially if it's like a finished piece If you're pre-finishing, you might have the luxury of having everything still flat. So uh, for me personally, I try not to spray it. Uh, Also keep in mind, what what you're spraying there, actually because of the way that sort of poly stain mix goes on, you are better off spraying it just in terms of the final appearance. Because a lot of times those things don't lay down as well as you'd like when you brush it on and it might look streaky, it might look weird. Spraying would certainly give you a more consistent surface uh, appearance. So consider it, but just understand the drawbacks of spraying.
1: Hey, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, I'm doing a giveaway this month.
0: Oh yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. So Powermatic and Jet, uh, Jet gave me a uh, sander, a a benchtop drum sander. Mm -hmm. If you head on over to thewoodwhisperer.com slash giveaway, there's a little widget. If you don't see the widget, try a different browser. Um, and you can enter, there's like eight different, actually more than eight different ways because you can refer friends for entries too. Uh, this is just a way for me to give some love to the sponsors of the giveaway, yeah. which is Jet. You have until the end of the month. So I will be reminding you next week
0: too. Yeah, we'll talk about so. it again. So there you go. You'll have your chance. I like this. Richard's US suggestion. And
1: Canada. So Canada, you can enter too.
0: Richard's suggestion is perfect for me. Our show would be a show about woodworking but making nothing. <laughs> There you go. Like a Seinfeld themed yeah, woodworking perfect. show. That
1: would be right up your alley. Well, just wait, talking wait a minute, about woodworking? Isn't that Never what we doing do? It
0: Isn't that what we right do now. here? Yes. <laughs> okay. The Seinfeld woodworking show. Uh question from Mike Davies. Uh do you ever do a pass or two with a hand plane on an edge joint? Say for a panel glue up after it comes off the jointer or do you not worry about the minuscule scalloping that happens because of the rotating head? Also was, he says, minuscule scalloping rotating head one of Cremona's wrestling moves in high school? I think it was. (laughs) I think you're on to something there. I usually don't worry about it. Um, the, The real test for me is when I take the two boards or multiple boards, I bring them together on the workbench nice and flat Bring them together, what does that seam look like? And if you have to, grab a couple of clamps, put a little bit of clamping pressure. If you can't see the gap, then there's nothing to worry about. Would it be a little bit cleaner if you did take that light pass? Sure, but you could also open up a can of worms because if you do that light pass or what you think is going to be a light pass and then you get a little bit of tear out or maybe, you know, you, you pull off the edge a little bit too soon and now you got to start the cut again, you can kind of make the problem even worse. So if it's not necessary, if you can bring your boards together with no visible gap to the, to the naked eye, then you're fine. I don't see any reason to do it. So normally the results I get when I put them together, I don't see any gaps. I feel confident enough to just slide the glue on and, uh, and move forward.
1: Uh, I got a question here from Mark Londoff. Uh If budget weren't an issue, which router, lift, motor, table combination would you prefer? Hmm. No budget. Whoa! Incra. Incra.
0: I mean, I have the one I want. I could get something else if I wanted to, but sure. I like the Incra setup. I think they have a rebranded Master Lift in there. I don't even know if it's rebranded. I think it just says Master Lift. Uh, but the Incra setup is really, really nice. Does that mean it's the best? No, there's lots of opinions out there. But I've tried a couple. I've had Jessam and Jessam is very, very good. Look at their stuff too. Uh, But I really like the Yankra setup. I think if budget wasn't an issue, I'd probably have a shaper and then also have a router table on the side. Uh,
1: Michael Less has a question. Budget and
0: space, I'm sorry.
1: He says, do you uh, plane your wood to make them all the same size? Do you have a video on uh, planing a conventional lumber to make them the actual size you want them to be.
0: I don't really have a video on that, Michael. Because is um, it just
1: integrated? Into it's really
0: every, vid- every video I do or every project I do includes that part of it but I don't often dwell on it. So I do use my planer to bring most of my work pieces to the appropriate thickness. Sometimes a project requires some three quarter, maybe you got some five eighths, uh, whatever it is, I generally will try to mill similar parts at the same time. So you know, if you have parts that are fitting together and it calls for three quarters, a lot of times it doesn't matter if you're actually at three quarters. You could be a little above or a little bit below if you do them all at the same time. So then they're all consistent. That actually makes your projects a whole lot easier to to put together. Um, But I I don't have any content that really digs deep into that topic. But look at all of our projects and you'll see the workflow that I introduce.
1: He said two by fours are rarely are the same width. So would you plane them or not for a project?
0: Well, I rarely use two by fours in projects. Yeah. If I was to use a two by four in a project, I'm usually doing something like the kid's desk mm-hmm. project that I did, in okay. which case I'm not that worried about it. If I plan to actually put joinery, like real joinery into those two by fours, then yes, they will get planed, jointed, and it may seem silly to give a two by four that treatment. But if you want to cut joinery, joinery requires on things being flat and square. And if you're not flat and square, then how can you count on your joints being flat and square and working together, right? So you're just setting yourself up for failure if you don't have nice square boards to begin with, even if they're two by fours. So if I have joinery and I'm using two by fours, absolutely, I'm going to get those things planed down, get them nice and consistent. You have a question? I have a few more.
1: I have a question too from Kevin Windsor. He did a super chat. It says, have you seen the Powermatic <clears throat> sponsoring Home Time? Home Time? What's Home Time? Is that the new... Uh. Tim Allen thing?
0: Well, no, Home Time is the old home time. I don't know if it's still the same thing, but the old show with uh was it Joanne Liebler? Was <laughs> her home
1: name? Home Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Right? I remember Joe.
1: Yeah, Home Time 1986.
0: Yeah, yeah, I used to watch
1: 29 that. 29 seasons. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. So home if that's the same home improvement show if there maybe there's something different something new called home time Um, but if that's the one it's basically like uh, uh, an alternative to this old house
1: wow that's impressive
0: what's the name Dean Dean Johnson right it said
1: final episode was 2016 so that's
0: what I'm saying maybe there's a new show called home time
1: maybe they're bringing it back maybe they're bringing back the same show
0: or maybe it's that competition show with Tim Allen and um, uh, what's his name that other dude
1: home time huh well I don't know so no is the answer I mean, clearly
0: we have no we idea have, we're
1: not on the inside what you're talking
0: about Dean Johnson and, uh, and Joanne Liebler yeah and he would say well there was also another uh, it depends on which phase of the show mm-hmm. there was also another woman that was introduced I can't recall her name but then he like what he would call her Joe
1: I don't even know the show like Joe I never watched it
0: Home Time was great
1: yeah I used
0: to I actually liked Home Time I'm gonna say it I liked Home Time a little bit more than this old house really yeah less annoying accents <laughs> Nicole
1: <laughs> you know you have an accent
0: how dare you bite your tongue <laughs> he says
1: uh yes hometown oh, wait a minute home time home time yeah i don't know
0: i don't know okay well I'll look you
1: know what let's look that's into what it. google's for i'll yes, look it, it up
0: joshua luther says i grew up on that show okay i'm going to get to my other questions here Uh, Jesus Rodriguez says in my shop, I have a table saw, but no bandsaw, no planer and no jointer. I usually buy milled and square hardwood boards, but the choice of thickness is very small here. I live in Spain. Um, You know, my cousin lives in Spain. Mm I bet you didn't know that. Okay. Hi, Nicole. No, you're not watching. (laughs)
1: Not me. I'm thinking of getting,
0: thinking of getting a bandsaw mainly for resawing those boards in two. Can I get the job done with a good quality blade and a bandsaw and some hand planing and sanding, or do I need to get the planer eventually? Well, Jesus, I'm not going to say what you can and can't do, but if you resaw a board and then you have to plane that nice and smooth and flat, it can be done. Of course it can be done. I would get really tired of that really fast. So I think if you were like the average woodworker, you're probably going to want a planer pretty soon because that's just kind of a nightmare. Now, if you have a perfectly tuned bandsaw, and a really good blade, you don't necessarily need a $250 blade, but a really decent blade, but you you get better results if it's like a carbide tipped blade, uh, smoother results. In that situation, you might have minimal work after it's done. Those blades can cut pretty clean, but everything has to be like really perfect. And if the wood misbehaves, as wood does on resaws, what was a nice straight board that you started with may wind up cupping. And now you've got to figure out how to get that out of the board. Even if you have a planer, you're still going to probably have to do a planer sled or something to accommodate a really warped curved board that curved after the resaw. So ultimately, if you're going to get into the resaw game, there's a real good chance if you aren't um, against power tools that you're going to want and need a jointer and a planer in the future. Uh Will Hooper wrote in, he says uh, using pocket screws on half inch to half inch ply or so they say half inch for drawers, I notice that the screw comes through sometimes because it's not a true half inch. Should I cheat the jig to five eighths to avoid the screw popping out? You cheaping me? Are you cheaping me? You joking me, Nicole? <laughs> I would cheat it and I don't do enough with pocket screws to tell you which way you want to cheat it to go under a half or over, but I would absolutely cheat it. You need the jig to, to register properly. Otherwise, those screws are going to keep coming out. Here's the thing. There's got to be forum uh, posts on this, even articles. Go to Craig's website. They might have something for this. Um, I imagine dealing with pocket screws and undersized plywood is something that was solved a long time ago. So there's got to be more information. I don't know because I don't use it that often. But there's got to be instructions out there for which way to cheat the jig, where to change maybe the stop collar on your bit to make sure that that isn't going any deeper than it needs to. The info has to be out there because people have been doing this for a long time. So
1: The truth is out there.
0: The truth is out there. All you have to do is put on your tinfoil hat and do a couple of Google searches <laughs> and you will find it.
1: Oh, <clears throat> let's see. I, got, I want to say uh, welcome to Dave Paul. He hmm. has a, a question that I grabbed. Have you tried UV curable vini- finishes for cabinets to improve throughput? Yeah. Any issues?
0: No, I haven't. Um, I am familiar with those finishes. There was a time in Arizona where, mm-hmm. uh, you remember Ron was doing mm-hmm. our CNC <laughs> work? he would occasionally get a big job where he would have to do a big old table and he didn't have the facilities to do finishing. So he would explore some of these other options and he showed me once uh, the result of a UV cured finish that he had sent it out for. And he was like, we got it back in no time because it was, you know, you're not waiting for days for this to cure. They just kind of run this light over it and then it causes it to, to kick off and cure. Uh, It was like a practically bulletproof finish according to him. So it looked good. Uh, I don't have any experience or advice to offer on a UV cured finish, but it definitely, if if throughput is a problem and you need to get these things out with a good quality, super durable finish, that's probably something um, you're going to want to look into.
1: I like Philip. Philip just said something really nice, and I, I wanted to uh, give him a shout out. So okay. Philip said he um, just lost he lost his music teaching job, okay. and he's now teaching private woodworking lessons to kids, and it's been a hit. That's he's great. He's also selling cutting boards. Thank you for everything you've put out.
0: You know, there's one thing about this, um, you know, sort of pursuing, whether it's a, a side thing or I'm not going to say side Don't hustle. Don't I'm not, not going to say side hustle. Did. I'm not going to say it, Nicole. But you do these things on the side. You learn a set of skills that maybe you didn't have before, right? Just by doing these little projects. And you've got your day job. This is just something you do for fun. But then the the stuff hits the fan, yeah. right? And this has happened to tons of people that I've yeah. seen online where they suddenly go, well, this thing I've been doing as a hobby, guess what? I just kicked it up a notch yeah. and now this is going to save my save my bacon mm-hmm. because now I don't have a job. And it's, it's just, I don't like seeing people get laid off and losing jobs, but it's nice that people are, are getting these other skill sets mm-hmm. and then finding a way to just make it happen, right?
1: Like if I lost my job, I could be a quilter now.
0: You could. You could be a professional mask maker.
1: <laughs> I could be a mask maker. I could be a quilter. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean you could do your t-shirt quilts or something mm-hmm. like that, right?
1: I could charge... Cha-ching on those, man!
0: I could potentially do a uh, barbecue food truck, Nicole. There you go. That would be fun.
1: Always have the plan B.
0: That's back to that business question.
1: Plan B. How
0: do you handle it all? You expect it all to end any day now, yes? So have something else.
1: Multiple (laughs) balls in the air. That's honestly that's how we've done our business. Nicole, you
0: and your balls. Balls. (laughs) What what is your fascination with the balls? Okay.
1: Uh, So good luck to you, Philip. Uh, I got a question here from I, I hold on, I have a whole bunch. I got of them. one here
0: from my name is Fake, who says very new woodworker. <laughs> my
1: name is Fake. That's
0: when good. would I plane over sanding? It's a tricky question. It really depends on you because the answer to this could be always but also never, <laughs> like depending on what you want to do. Uh, planing is something you've got a couple different things to to think about. With planing, you are not only just smoothing the surface, like we talk about planing versus sanding, but when you talk about planing versus sanding, that's actually the very last stage of what a plane is capable of doing. A hand plane can can do surfacing, leveling, uh, you know, flattening, and in preparation for joinery, and then also the final step is smoothing. There's a whole series of things that hand planes are capable of doing. Generally speaking, in sanding, Unless maybe you got like a wide belt sander or something. When we're talking about hand sanders, we're not doing any kind of leveling or flattening. What we're doing is just prepping that surface after all the work has already been done, prepping it for finish, right? So a lot of people will go their entire woodworking career and never touch a hand plane. But then you got other people who really don't want to use sandpaper any anymore than they have to. So they try to plane as much as they can. So when to do one or the other, I would say is whenever you're inclined to do one or the other, if you're interested in hand planes, you could start there. And if you aren't, then get some sandpaper and and use it appropriately. Um, I'm giving it a very quick answer, but that's a very deep sort of question, a fundamental question. But a lot of it really, especially in hobbyist woodworking, comes down to what do you want to do? What do you want to, what kind of tools do you want to have? What's your budget? That type of thing.
1: Tyler Levins is in the chat and he wants to know, is there any news on woodworkers fighting cancer this year? There's no news. I'm sorry.
0: The news uh, hasn't changed since the last time we yeah. answered this question.
1: Um, if there's news, I promise you'll hear it. We from will me. let
0: you know as soon as we. Know. I,
1: I, uh, it's a lot of work. It's a I'm,
0: lot of work, and this is a tough year for everybody. Uh, schedules are tough. Trying Online to find school, time to get this done.
1: Home. I don't. Like, I just changed the calendar for Sly, uh, Sil, and he's been asking me for weeks to change the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I fixed it, Sil.
0: And not to mention, Your balls, Nicole.
1: (laughs) I have so many balls.
0: (laughs) So many of those balls.
1: (laughs) But yes, I promise. uh, Because typically, if you're not familiar with Woodworkers Fighting Cancer, if you go to woodworkersfightingcancer.com, we've been doing that, I don't even know how how long we've been doing that. Forever. Forever.
0: (coughs) The first project was the start of the guild. Oh, that's right. It was the shaker table that was the first project. So So,
1: um, there's like a whole thing that we do with it. And it's like a community build and then I do auctions and it, it's a lot of me work mm-hmm. and me no have no time. Me no
0: have no time. <laughs>
1: uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, I promise.
0: All right, I am out of questions. I'm not, I have so lots of So all, all of our questions will come now from the, uh, the YouTube chat for the remainder of the show. Uh,
1: you got one, I like it when you throw them up on the screen.
0: When I can see them.
1: Well, uh, right there, question from Michael.
0: Michael Rogowski. He says, do you have a source for ready-made stave core stock? Nope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't. Uh, The only source I would say is if you want to go to Missouri, do we still know someone who works at a stave production factory? Didn't, uh, what's her name's, um, Russ? Yeah, Russ. Didn't Russ work at a stave factory? He works at, um,
1: so where I grew (laughs) up. Um, there is a uh, whiskey barrel making factory.
0: So they make white oak staves.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's just a bit of trivia for you. I don't think they're going to sell you staves. No, probably. I not. think they make them for themselves.
1: Yeah, it's all quarter sawn too, right?
0: <laughs> I have no idea. I'm pretty sure. But he's. I know they. I remember he said something about them having lots of scraps. But if you think about scraps from a stave making perspective, they're very basically it might be a lifetime supply of mixing sticks, <laughs> is what you would get from that. <laughs> But I, I don't have a resource. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, Dave in the chat room is telling me to check out uh, SNL. I l- grew up on SNL. I know sweaty balls.
0: Why are we checking out SNL?
1: <laughs> He's telling me to check out uh, uh, SNL. Oh,
0: uh, the sweaty balls kit. Yeah, skit. that's
1: classic. Yeah. If you don't know about that.
0: I actually prefer the sweaty wieners. <laughs> John McCarthy says, do you plan on redoing the top of your bench with some of the bench top slabs from Cremona? Uh, nope. Those were uh, sort of earmarked for a future portable workbench project I don 't know when or how or why, but this workbench is staying the way it is like i don't want to do anything to it it's fine, it works good uh, it's very heavy, and uh, I don't plan on doing anything different with this one, certainly not replacing the top mm-hmm. just just to use different slabs of wood um, that that would, that would that kind of makes me cry just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dino making me ugly cry, Dinobad, uh, got his first order or her first order from Belforest, and the wood was absolutely beautiful I hope you good. used the guild discount I think you're in the guild pretty sure you're in the guild um, yeah there's a 10% off I used to uh,
0: listen to the Dino Bats in high school did you? yeah it's a good punk band
1: yeah is it really?
0: no it's aqua, okay. Aquabats
1: Aquabats that, we used to listen to those with Mateo
0: well yeah because they would show up on his goofy kid shows
1: uh, yo Gabba Gabba okay what else? I uh, got some. Okay. If you see questions, you can Mike throw them up too.
0: McMahon says, "How does the Woodpecker sharpening guide compare to the Veritas Mark II in price and quality?" I can't comment on the price. I don't know off the top of my head. You guys, you guys have easier access to Google things right now than I do. Um, you're probably not that far off because I think the um, the Lee Valley honing guide is one of the more expensive honing guides that's out there. Uh, how does it compare? Well, that's the one that always gave me an off ninety degree angle. And ever since I had it, I've never been able to resolve it. And lots of people have that issue with that particular honing guide. I don't know if it's a manufacturing flaw. I don't know if it's a human flaw. If it's us that's doing it, um, I just know that it's a property that I can expect from that honing guide. So it was always very frustrating when you spend that much for a honing guide and it's off of 90. That's just problematic. Outside of that, if that doesn't bother you, it's a great honing guide. I used it for years.
1: There's Tim JB.
0: Tim JB. Okay, when you order pre-milled wood online from source located in a different climate, does the acclimation waiting period still apply or should you use the pre-milled purchase right away? Well, pre-milled is a tricky one, right? Because it's pre-milled, which means you don't have the luxury of milling it again. So typically, if you get wood from another uh, state, someplace that you know is a different climate, you absolutely want to give it time to acclimate so that it does all the moving it's going to do. Then you do your milling, then you put it into your project. But in your case, if it's already milled and you're not doing any more milling, leaving it around is only going to ask for problems. You may not be able to use that lumber later, depending on how much it moves. So I actually, this is not what I like to recommend, but it's a special situation. If I got stuff from out of state that I knew I couldn't flatten afterwards, and I needed to use it, I would probably use it as fast as possible. The sooner it gets put into the project and and put together with other parts that will potentially limit its ability to move and kind of hold it in shape, I think the better off you are. It's not the ideal way to build a project, certainly, because it could develop problems because of that acclimation period. Uh, But that, to me, seems like the smartest way to go. If you wait, you may just wind up being super frustrated because now you can't cut your tenons properly because you got a little bit of a lift at the end or whatever. So I would move quickly on pre-milled out-of-state material.
1: Uh hi David, welcome to the to the stream. We're not going to be on forever. Michael much says
0: stave core door stock. I still don't have an answer for you. Mm. I don't know what I don't even know what that is necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I know what the words say but in practical terms, what that is and who would be a supplier of it. I don't know. Maybe Shannon's company. Um, uh, uh, Diefen Musseldorf and
1: Smith. We watched the Smith last night.
0: (laughs) Dusseldorf. I don't know what the name of that is. Mark, do you have any experience? Hold on. Skippy McGroin. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Do you have any experience with a battery operated workshop? I have no shop now, but I have access to a Konex box and I'm thinking about trying to work out of it. No experience, but I think every year it's like getting better and better mm-hmm. to do a battery-operated shop, right? There's more options, Isn't more like things are coming Milwaukee out.
1: Milwaukee have like a lot of battery-operated stuff?
0: I think every portable power tool brand, Milwaukee, DeWalt, um, you know, uh, just all the big brands are moving toward battery options. So you can get a battery-operated chop saw, battery-operated table saw, uh, this is stuff that has never really been available to us in the past. So I think now more than ever, you could succeed on a battery operated shop like that. Uh, how well it works and how you, know, how you charge your batteries and you know, how many extra batteries you need to do this, I don't know. Um, but I would think based on the tech that I'm seeing out there, now more than ever, it's possible to be a portable shop like that who just runs on battery power.
1: Adam Bryan says, I'm trying to start a business in woodworking and turning. I'm on my second year of a five-year plan. I was wondering if you have any ideas or know of any websites that will help me. Um,
0: Where's this question? So I can read it while you're talking? Right here. Okay.
1: Adam. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm assuming you have a business plan (laughs) if you're starting your business.
0: He's already said he's got a five-year plan. He's in year two. He sounds more organized than we were when we started our business. Yeah. Right. I mean, he sounds like he has a plan. Uh, well, here, I mean, the thing is, there are traditional resources: the Better Business Bureau, small, you know, small business associations that can help you with just general, you know, running the business. There are things you need to know as a real business yeah, that are outside of anything that you know, the stuff you're going to read online. I- important local regulations and local business things you need to 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 have under control. Um, A good accountant is certainly another important thing. But it sounds like what you're doing is looking more for like, how do I build this business? How do I make the business grow? And for online resources, for that stuff, do you have any recommendations?
1: There's a number. I mean, not off the top of my head. I don't think there's any
0: shortage of how to succeed in business resources online. It's, It's a matter of who do you trust?
1: Well, and also... What, what I don't really know what you've already done. Do you need marketing help? Do you need sales help? Yeah. There's like so many facets to a business.
0: Is he trying to you know incorporate content as part of the business and needs help with that? Yeah. Like there, are you trying to
1: you know sell furniture? I, I mean, well he's he said uh, woodworking and turning, so yeah. Clearly, I mean, he's
0: selling products, yeah. but you know, there's a
1: lot to it. There's just a lot to it.
0: And I think there again like I said there's no shortage of helpful information yeah. out there and gurus who are going to give you business advice. Um just be careful of the ones who their whole business model it's is selling, selling business advice yeah. because that's that's, that's their, more profitable that's than actually succeeding in a regular sort of business, right? It's 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 kind of it's a little bit of um Catch 22 because, yeah, they do have a successful business. I like
1: your idea of checking with your local resources, though. I mean, the community itself. Yeah, I don't think you
0: can overestimate the importance of local. Yeah. I I think knowing what makes sense in your area, unless you truly have a business that you want to be nationwide. Right. And then you have other concerns. Uh, But don't neglect the local side of things. That could be a huge portion of your sales uh, and also your support, finding other local businesses that you can network with.
1: Yeah. Hope that's helpful. Probably not. (laughs) He's going to come back, you know, three months from now and say, oh, I'm out of business, thanks to you. Well,
0: thanks for your advice, guys.
1: (laughs) Uh, I got a question here from Dave. Oh, no, we already did Dave's. Uh, Nick, I finally got a new... Uh, Did I already? Yeah, I finally got a new cordless uh, Milwaukee router, my first router. So far, I have one round over bit. What are the three... What are three more bits you would recommend that would help me have a well-rounded tool.
0: Well, you got a round over bit. I mean, you got to look at two, two different things. You got to decide what you want to do. Do you want to make joinery or do you want to do profiles? If you do profiles, you want your round over. You probably want to chamfer. Outside of that, you can get into some fancy stuff, but I don't think, you know, most modern furniture these days isn't going to get that fancy with profiles, uh, but you could if you wanted to. Uh, outside of that, you, you are going to do template routing. Then you need a flush trim bit. And that's a whole nother area of like Tons of different options. We have a video actually on different flush trim bits oh. uh, on the website. If you are doing more mortises with this, you're probably going to want a decent set of spiral bits, you know, a quarter inch or half inch spiral bit to make those mortises. Ooh. So there's quite a few things, but it also really depends on honing in on what you're going to do with that first, what you're going to do with the router.
1: We need to wrap this show up. We're going long.
0: Okay, hold um, on. One more thing. Skippy McRoin. he says that's the limiting idea. The battery power, the batteries die and then it's back home. Not necessarily if you plan ahead. Um, There is now technology out there. Now, I've got uh, battery powered lawn care stuff with Ego. Uh, I'm probably now in my fourth season with them and absolutely love them. Not enough good things can be said about them. So, I've got a bunch of these batteries because I got a string trimmer, I got a mower, I got. Listen, I'm on my own pace today. No, you're the
1: one that always like, we got to keep this show to 45 minutes.
0: You're making it take longer right now. It's an hour. You're making it take longer.
1: (laughs) Go. Uh,
0: So I've actually got quite a few batteries. Well, they actually now have this like generator deal where you could pop your batteries on there and you've got outlets and a USB charger and all kinds of stuff on it. So it may sound silly, but get yourself a battery powered, you know, power source that you can use to charge your batteries while you're on the road. Just robbing battery power from this to give it to something else and then charge those big batteries overnight. And I think you can get a lot more mileage out of it. I think that would be a good investment. Something like that.
1: Uh, last question. Bruce Audie at the top of the show, and I missed it, asked us if this clock was uh, sawdust proof. I don't know if it's sawdust proof. I wouldn't
0: say so, but um, it's surviving.
1: It's surviving.
0: It is one of those gear based ones where the thing flips and all that. So. I'll,
1: I'll put a link to the clock. It's in our Amazon store. so You can also go to amazon.com slash shop slash the wood whisperer underneath Friday live. You'll find that clock it's it's like 150 bucks. So yeah, it's a big, it was a big giant it's clock. It's kind of
0: expensive, but it's
1: expensive for a clock, but it's been a good solid clock.
0: Yeah. You can't find a lot of them either. Yeah. Uh, right. And I'm going to ask for something I don't normally ask for since we now do this show on our main channel. If you guys yeah. liked what we did here, you want to see us do more of it Go ahead and hit that thumbs up. Oh my gosh. Right, who I always,
1: I don't even know who you are. Well, look, are. my
0: son is converting me into a YouTuber. I'm going to start taking <laughs> thumbnails with my mouth open, which is like rule number one in a video game thumbnail <laughs> Here, creation. Here, we should do
1: the thumb, thumbnail.
0: Like that. <laughs> Mark stole Nicole's car and destroyed it and then bought her a new one.
1: <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah,
0: so I mean, if, if you didn't like it, you don't have to hit the thumbs down. I mean, you can if you want to, no, but you don't have to. But you don't have to.
1: You really don't. You could just close the window. Let's
0: go on with your day.
1: Just We don't even wait, exist in your world.
0: Just go take a break, go take a potty break, and then wait for me to post the video, and you could watch my woodworking video on Nicole's desk. There you right? go, a potty break.
1: All right, I'm going to put a link in the chat um, if you are a Patreon supporter, <clears throat> so you can h- come hang out with us in the after show where we talk about... You know, video games, silly stuff.
0: Nonsense, my friends. Nonsense. Yeah,
1: don't forget to smash that subscribe button.
0: Don't smash it. Just click it. Just click it. I actually heard that if uh, if you click it, it turns blue. Let me know if it's true. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Uh, have a wonderful weekend and I'll see those of you in the after show who are uh, signed up for it. Yep.
1: And uh, YouTube. Hold on. YouTube community me- uh, members go to com- the community tab.
0: Okay. And that's, and that's where, where can... they find the after show? Yep, that's
1: where they're going to find the Well, after
0: there show. you go. Okay, have a great weekend, everyone. Oh